Welcome to Streamable, the podcast about the best streaming content out there. We're going to be reviewing shows and movies from Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Disney+, Peacock, whatever other services they come up with. So sit back, listen to our review, and then you can tell us how wrong we are on Twitter. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Brett. And together we have over 57 years of movie watching experience. Wait, we were watching movies when we were born? Shh, shut up. Hey everyone, today we are talking about The Mandalorian, today on the launch of the show, and Disney+. Plus. Yeah, super excited for this one. I was, coming into it, it's a western. Like, that's the thing that just caught me off guard and was so, like, overwhelmingly apparent. Well, I mean, that's kind of the, the perfect genre to stick a loner Mandalorian type into, though. Yeah, it was just, I mean, like, it could have been a shot-for-shot remake of a Western film. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's basically like, uh, what's it, the man with no name in uh, the Clint Eastwood ones? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I mean, even the the costume design is reminiscent of that. But he also literally has no name. (laughs) He is the Mandalorian for the entire pilot. So the, well, first off, there's a new Star Wars intro. Yeah, that was interesting. I don't. I feel like that's an intro specific to either Disney Plus or maybe the stories. I, I don't think. But didn't it, it show Kylo Ren and BB-8 and like like every character, like all the new big like iconic looking characters? But I, I don't know. I feel, I would feel weird if I saw that in theaters when we go to see Nine. Well, we'll find out. But uh, yeah, that was the first thing right off the bat. But then. Uh, yeah, he is the man with no name. It starts with him tracking a bounty. He goes into a bar, causes a ruckus, you know, kind of typical Western tropes. Well, it does involve one thing that... I guess there's, like, people getting sliced in half and stuff in Star Wars, but I don't know. For some reason, I wasn't expecting the door and the and the slicing in half. I think it was in a trailer. I'm not sure. I tried to avoid the most trailers. Yeah, the trailers were a little spoilery, which was kind of disappointing. Anyway, some random human, you know, yells at him for spilling his drink, and he kills him and takes this random bounty. A lot of, there's a lot of world building in this. That was the other thing. That and also a lot of uh, callbacks to, like, classic original trilogy Star Wars. I don't know that there was a lot. There was some, but the... The thing that worries me the most is that it was kind of hard for me to follow, and I'm as big of a Star Wars nerd as it gets. How is someone who's not seen Star Wars going to be able to watch this show? Well, I mean, I feel like it's similar to, like, Joss Whedon-y shows where you got a lot of world building. Uh, I mean, I I talked... It's a slow burn. Mm, Yeah. Maybe that's what it'll be like. I don't know. I mean, it, it feels... I, I, I literally wrote down later bounty pucks credits chits calamari flan and beskar steel that's just five forms of currency that are discussed in this well i don't think bounty pucks are currency. whatever it's there's a lot of shit i mean there's tracking fobs and they just kind of throw a lot at you i i i, I get it because uh, it, it does kind of just throw you into the world and then right into the story without explaining everything which to be honest, I actually kind of like, and then, you know, you can figure it out as uh, as the story goes on. I mean, a lot of that stuff is 
it's just not not as important to know for the story i mean just kind of there right yeah i mean in some of its context i get it but uh it i don't know like this this new alien type and a new planet and i don't know everything being new caught me off guard as a star wars fan but also looking back at it like yeah there were a couple references to the star wars films but i also immediately was like "Ooh, a mandalorian i know what that is and like that Hmm. what is someone who doesn't i mean i unless you like star wars or westerns i don't see how you like this i it's probably directed more towards people that are already star wars fans i mean a lot of the current star wars uh media is directed more towards star wars fans like uh looking at solo and the reveal of, towards the end with well, sure with, yeah yeah that like was you, something there's people I, that I, I know that have never seen Clone Wars, or Rebels, or anything else, and they were like, "Was this so set during the time?" The, where the person we're... I showed that to didn't see Episode One, so had no idea who Darth Maul was. <laughs> so I was kind of like, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, he's a bad guy. He runs, he runs a crime syndicate. Don't worry about it." The other problem was for people that had just watched the mainline series. It was like, "Oh wait, is Solo set before the events of Phantom Menace?" Right. And so, yeah, this movie, they do make it a point to, I felt like, go over the top and saying, right after the Empire fell. Right. There's a couple of things. The first is that the Mandalorian gets paid by his, his handler, Carl Weathers, whose Apollo name is Creed. Grief. That would have been a better name, probably. <laughs> Grief, Grief Cargo. Carga. He gets paid in Mandalorian credits, and or uh, Mandalorian, Imperial credits. And he says, like, I don't want these. The Empire it's fallen didn't you hear he's like ah it's still spending so i think that puts us within a few years of the empire falling just based off of the context clues well even with well with that and then like what five minutes after that scene we see stormtroopers yeah that's kind of the big reveal so you see four stormtroopers and this imperial officer he's never named he's never is he supposed to be like a moth I kind of felt like, yeah, he was someone high up and he's trying to get the remnant going again. Yeah, because the way he's holding himself seemed like some sort of high-level officer. And uh, I'm not real familiar with new Star Wars canon after Episode Six. In the old days of the Expanded Universe, there was an Imperial remnant. There's a bunch of Star Destroyers and, like, a general and stuff that were hidden away in the Outer Rim. Right, right. And they, you know, started a war up again. So I don't know if this is all new or if this fits into some novels or something else that's been explained in I'm new Star Wars I'm pretty canon. sure it's probably related to, like, Rebels and, and, and the new canon. Anyway, but this... But it's not, it's not important to know all that to follow the Mandalorian storyline. No, no, it's just, uh, yeah, it was an interesting reveal to see Imperial people, and, but again, you know, that's interesting to us, knowing the timeline and knowing everything that happened. I feel like understanding that this is after the Empire and these are stormtroopers that are part of a government that doesn't exist anymore is something that totally goes over the top of the head of anyone who's not a Star Wars fan. Yeah, I I think the only appeal to a non-Star Wars fan would be maybe the, the action, yeah. I think a Western fan, like, I want my dad to watch this because he loves Westerns. Yeah, I, I gotta try to and, show it to my brother because yeah. he doesn't know enough Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, he goes to these uh, Imperials and there's this scientist and the whole thing with the bounty is like, they seemingly want him alive, want it alive, want whatever it is alive. 
And uh, the Imperial in charge is kind of like, eh, if he's dead, whatever. <laughs> right. But yeah, there's a scientist, four stormtroopers, and this whatever. I'm going to assume Moth. Yeah. Which I'm... is the Imperial equivalent of a general, general or whatever you want to say. Admiral, uh, if the, you aren't familiar. And again, building this world of bounty hunting, they mention uh, a chain code. They don't have the full chain code for this bounty. Right. Which except we... the last four digits, which are its age, it's 50 years old. So we assume there's like some kind of 16-digit signifier or something for like species, gender. Right. That That's universally used, I guess. Um, as well as these tracking fobs, which... How do these work? Are you telling me like bounties are implanted with... So uh, is every being in the galaxy implanted with a tracking chip? I wouldn't put it above the Empire while they were still in power. I mean, we don't know what well, this like, this alien from the beginning, which by the way is called a Mithril, and we didn't. So all of the all of the jobs he was getting uh, during the scene with uh, with Carl Weathers is uh, <laughs> were like people that were jumping bail. Right, right. he stuff. said jumping bail, jumping bail, jumping bail, these smuggler. people were actually implanted with some sort of tracker. But why are they fulfilling Imperial bounties? Well, no, that's not what I mean. I mean, just because they were they were jumping bail doesn't mean it was Imperial bail. I, I mean, oh, I guess, like, I the, the Outer Rim planets before kind of just operated on their own. Right, they do like, say... Like the uh, hut if, if, cartels... If, yeah, if yeah. you watch the, with captions on, most of the humans and people speak in Huttese... Right. So presumably there are huts we don't see. It yeah, in I the assume episode. even with the empire falling, the hut cartels are still in power. Like that was always the case. Anyway, I just didn't understand how the tracking system worked. Yeah, yeah, it, it's kind of just. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, but going back to his original bounty on his ship, this guy tries to escape, whatever, and we see three other bounties that were frozen in carbonite. So apparently, in the short time since Boba Fett initially did this with Han Solo. I mean, presumably it's been five, maybe ten years. This has become a standard bounty hunter practice. It, and not only that, that he could do it on site because he freezes the mithril right there. Right, He doesn't need a whole carbonite freezing like room like an empire. He just has a express carbonite freezing. <laughs> like. And I didn't know if, if those bounties were significant. It showed a Rodian, a female human, and a female... And, or, and a, a male, a male human. human. Yeah. And... Like, they kind of focused on the male human's face for a second. I didn't I didn't know if maybe it was a callback to something even from Rebels or something, you know, we may be, not be familiar with. I didn't take it that far. I, I felt like just uh, just the zoom in on it was to show the carbonite, the man's hands out. Like, we're just reminiscent of Han in, in the carbonite. I guess, yeah, maybe it was a callback to that. I feel like there's, there's even, like, well, just getting off topic slightly... Just as a reference to some sort of, uh, like, original trilogy stuff, even some of the wipes are reminiscent of old school, like, uh, wipes. I think they kind of always do that in Star Wars now. I think that's become a Star Wars thing. I, I don't know. I, I don't remember Maybe, feeling it. I don't, like, I don't know that Ryan Johnson did it, but... Yeah. Whatever. Maybe that's why he I did his own feel thing. weird. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's definitely throwbacks. The, the best being uh, roasting the um, alien that was Jabba's little buddy. I don't know what they're called. Well, I, Salacious Crumb was his name, right? right yeah, yeah, that that species of alien, right? Um, well, but they also had like the little trash can, like looking droids. Yeah, like, there was the, yeah, there was a bunch of random the little stuff. eye stock. Right, yeah, right. It's awesome. 
Uh, and the other thing that really interested me that they didn't get into, but uh, Carl Weathers, whatever his name is, Grief Karga, we got to get used he's, to saying that. It's better as Carl Weathers. Mentions the guild. He has these five bounties, and the Mandalorian's like, oh, I'll take them all. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa this is for the whole guild. And there's a bunch of Trandosians in the background, so I was kind of like, ooh, is, is Boss going to be there? Is, they don't get into it. I but... know you want Dengar to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll show up. Uh, and then, yeah, the IG droid that comes in later is not IG-88, but he's... IG-11. Yeah. Uh, but then he goes to a Mandalorian kind of den, and we see a bunch of Mandalorians. We see one Mandalorian, don't we? No, we see like six as he's walking in. Oh, and then they have the the their symbol. Yeah, they have the and symbol. Then he goes and into then... this armor lady, which is badass. That scene was awesome. Yeah, female Mando that apparently shapes Beskar. So for this Imperial bounty, he got one little bar of Beskar steel, which, being a super Star Wars nerd, I know is like the only metal that's resistant to lightsabers. Is it? Yeah. I think so. Well, Pretty sure. Well, anyway, his helmet is seemingly made of it, and the rest of his armor is kind of just shit. So I think the whole point, and he takes this one little plate and makes it into a shoulder guard, uh, whatever they pauldron. call it. Pauldron. Uh, and this bounty is supposed to get him a bunch more of it, but uh, I think the whole point is, like, throughout the series, he's going to be building his armor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounded awesome to me. I, I can't... Because there, there was another, like, cryptic line in there. It's like, has your, uh, was it, has your sigil been revealed? Signet. Signet. Yeah, so he's going to have some sort of symbol. We'll see what that means. I, it gets revealed? It's weird. I wonder I wonder how all this works. Yeah, but also in this uh, scene, they really briefly, they mentioned whatever he did, I, I, he paid for the services with his calamari flan. I love that they call it flan. It was flan, right? <laughs> I didn't miss hear that. No, no, it's flan. Uh, that's some sort of currency, and then well, from gives, Mon Calamar, I assume. Yeah, yeah he, and then he gives her the steel. But then she says something like, "Oh, there's a bunch of extra." I didn't know if that meant there was extra steel or just the money he gave her was excess, and it was kind of a donation to the Mandalorian. I want, I I feel like it was the steel. Um, okay, just but because she said, they focus so much on on the steel being returned to the tribe. Right. Right. So uh, uh, they did say that it was mentioned... collected from the Great Purge, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. So because his it's... ship is also the um, the alien that he abducts, whatever. Ironically, the the bounty that he has mentions that his ship is pre Empire. It looked like a freaking uh, gunship from like the Clone Wars to me, almost. Hmm. Uh, the tribe, right? Yeah. So return that to the tribe. Uh, because then they also mention, um, what, like, foundlings? Foundlings, which I assume was just younglings for bounty, or for Mandalorians, because it, he is, like, reflecting as this is being molded or whatever on his own childhood, and you basically just see as the, the armor is hammering and sparking that he sees explosions and remembers himself as a little kid. But she mentions that the excess will help with, uh, recruiting more foundlings or finding more I think they just said found it'll help the foundlings. so, uh, so I, I wonder how the the metal like touches on that i wonder if we'll get to see more of his childhood heading into it or if we'll see something else related to that but, i yeah, don't know i kind of felt like that was enough of i feel like because like, going back to your he was thing an orphan with it, kid and 
Well, going back to your thing with uh, people not that aren't as into the lore understanding it, they won't know what the hell Mandalorians are. So I feel right, like so Mandalore is a planet in the canon. Right. And it seems like this Is the Old Republic still canon with the, the Revan and, and the war? I don't know. Why? Well, because most of the Mandalorians you didn't, you didn't watch, uh, were wiped out. Did you watch the part of Clone Wars that goes into Mandalore? Uh, part of it, like a Mandalore like a Viz, is a Viz... thriving planet. Pre Visla and the yeah. Death Lord, yeah, yeah. So, but there's a war, and then there's like this faction like split involving them too that also happens. And I don't know if it's canon anymore. I don't. Know. Anyway, the so I I wasn't sure if this movie was something happened to their planet and they're kind of gathering people or if they had made mandalorian more into a like a like a group of kind of ragtag people that wasn't necessarily specific to a planet right or... so i feel like they need to they need to go into the concept of what is a mandalorian more so hopefully they'll cover that in the right right now it's just someone that has that type of armor which is pretty badass armor (laughs) (laughs) so in terms of synopsis, where were we? Uh, yeah, than... he goes. He goes off after he gets uh, his his shoulder guard, and he basically has a helmet and shoulder guard that are made of this special steel. But he goes to chase this bounty and goes to some kind of desertish planet, and immediately gets attacked by a blurg, some little alien creature, not that little. Looks like half of a dewback. Kind of, yeah. Uh, and then he gets saved by Ugnot Nolte. <laughs> I don't know his actual name. I'm just calling him Ugnot Nolte. Ugnot is the race of alien that he is, and it's played by Nick Nolte. I and just like him for his "I have spoken," and then he's just done. Uh, he decides to train the young cowboy in the ways of roping a horse and everything. <laughs> I mean, it's very western right here that he's in a corral trying to ride to learn learn how to ride this thing and he's saying i mean he's the native american guide he's saying these outsiders have come and i want peace on my planet again it's (laughs) like all right we get it uh so he helps him and guides him to them and then he just heads off and doesn't need any money or any kind of payment right uh and then ig11 gets in the way but then that just leads out, uh, leads to our, our first like Western shootout. Yeah, the droid just spins around and is crazy, and then yeah, it's pretty awesome. And then the Mandalorian comes in and gets shot in his one good piece of armor. Fortunately, does he get shot before too? He he gets hit. Anytime he gets hit, luckily it always hits his like Beskar like chest plate. He doesn't have Beskar chest. What is it then? I don't know. It's shit armor. He doesn't get killed by getting shot there. I don't know, deflecting shots. Oh, yes, but he yeah, gets yeah, shot yeah. directly in the shoulder. Yeah, and it scratches in the beginning. I think his armor is going to just be plain silver, I guess. Hmm. Kind of odd that he doesn't paint it. But uh, anyway, he IG-11 is very formal and is like, I'm here to serve this bounty according to this statute. Of the Bondsman Guild. Yeah, I don't know why they're called that instead of just Bounty Hunters Guild, but whatever. The Mandalorian's like, whoa, whoa, I'm I'm in the guild. Let's let's work together and, and split this. And he's like, all right. But they both mentioned like, I thought I was the only one here. 
Right, because, well, going back to the scene with the Imperials, it seemed like it was all like a hush-hush, you do this job. Right, and they, like, were specifically told about him that he's expensive, but he's the best. The Mandalorian, that is. Right. Anyway, they have a big shootout. It's, you know, pretty Western style. And then they cut into the door of this place. There's one guy left inside and they shoot him immediately, which I thought was odd. How did they not know that was their target that they were supposed to take alive? He didn't look 50, I guess? He shot him instantly. <laughs> well, you remember, he's also allowed to bring him in dead, so yeah, I guess it wouldn't have mattered. whatever. It was like half the price, I think, but anyway. So he kills it, and then they are like, oh, there's still a life form left, and it's a little baby Yoda. Yes, it's so freaking adorable, too. I don't know what that race is called, by the way. I, I don't think we actually have a canon name for his race. But the Yoda only... was, what, 900? Right. This I mean... thing is 50, and he's like, whoa. Uh, the Mandalorian's like, whoa, I thought this thing was supposed to be 50. And I just, it's like, still pretty much a baby. Differently. Yeah. This could live for generations. Yeah, so. I think the only two race, uh, I mean, the two characters we've seen from that race are Yoda and Yaddle, the other council member. Right, and she was presumably killed in the purge. Yeah, I assume so. So yeah, I, I think other than that, we have nothing, no other information about them, and no name or anything. Yeah, and then uh, IG's like, "All right, the bounty was really specific. We're supposed to kill it." So he got a completely different bounty, clearly. Right. So that's kind of like, first off, what are these group of aliens protecting this, this baby Yoda? Why does the Empire want to? presumably take it alive and study it with a scientist yeah i mean do they know about uh yoda from some old records or something probably because the only two known uh characters that are of that race were super strong force users right so i'm thinking like they're gonna study it to see why it's more force sensitive and try to right, create right, right. force sensitivity or something uh but then who wants it just dead that hired it. That, IG. I have no idea. So, yeah, there's a lot of questions that come out of it, but uh, the Mandalorian just kills IG, just shoots him in the head instantly, because he doesn't want to kill little baby Yoda, because he's so cute. He's freaking adorable. <laughs> and that's the end. He's literally, like, reaching into the crib, and that that's the end of the episode. It's only 35-ish minutes long. Yeah, that is that is weird. Very I, odd. I was expecting closer to an hour runtime. And I don't know if the other episodes are going to be longer. If anything, they might say. be shorter because usually pilot episodes are longer than anything else. I mean, this it felt sort of slow paced, but again, they move through a lot of ideas and world building pretty quickly. So I, I don't know why thirty five minutes. Obviously, they can do whatever they want on a streaming platform. Yeah. So, other episodes could be very different, I think. Hmm. But, uh, overall, I mean, if you like Westerns, I think it's really good. If you like Star Wars, I think it's pretty good. If you don't like either of those, I don't know that you could watch it. I feel like it might be just too much not knowing Star Wars stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, we gotta, we gotta test out that theory with some... some I, I'm, I'm gonna have my dad watch it. He doesn't know Star Wars that much. He loves Westerns. It's, I mean, it's pretty action-y, too. It's not as slow-paced as most Westerns. Yeah, I mean, I feel like even if I wasn't a Star Wars fan, the the episode seemed enjoyable enough due to what was happening. Like, the, the humor's good there. Yeah, the, I mean, it has the pretty classic Star Wars blend of enough humor, 
pretty solid action and a whole lot of sci-fi and crazy aliens and shit. And then if you are a Star Wars fan and you 100% have already watched it before you listen to this episode, I would if hope. you somehow have it. I was struggling to wait until the end of the day today to watch this. So. Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of wanted to just watch it at work. But yeah, if you haven't watched it for some reason and listened to this entire episode, go watch it right now because it was pretty damn awesome. Yeah, and only a few days away from the next episode. I think they're regularly going to air on Fridays. They obviously wanted something for the launch of Disney Plus today. So we will review uh, Friday's episode and have a podcast out on Saturday. That will be our next podcast. After that, we'll see. I think we'll probably keep reviewing The Mandalorian, and this will kind of just become a Mandalorian podcast. But <laughs> Only for love... like about uh, a couple months. Yeah, it's only until the end of December, but we love Star Wars, so we're going to keep talking nerdy stuff about it, and obviously we know a lot of other random stuff. If you have questions, ask us on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at StreamablePod, and uh, if you've been enjoying our show so far, uh, please be sure to tell your friends about it. Like, comment, follow, all of that stuff on spotify on podbean give us a rating on apple you just have to click the stars it's really easy it helps a lot yeah uh, i mean there's hosting costs and everything so it, it really helps if you guys get people listening to it more people downloading everything helps keep the lights on thanks for listening i have spoken thank you for listening to our podcast you can find us on all the popular social media sites at streamable pod and listen to the podcast on your favorite platforms. Please be sure to subscribe and leave us a review.